Welcome to C-Suite Radio. It's time for the Open Mic Podcast with your host, Brett Allen. Broadcasting live from the Bay Area studios, here at the Open Mic, no topic is off limits. And of course, you never know who may stop by. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome into episode 159 of the Open Mic Podcast. My special guest today is Adela Avdik. She is a fashion designer, an influencer, a blogger, social media icon. She really does a lot of different things, and she has an amazing story. I'm excited for you to check out this interview. We actually recorded this about a week or two ago, maybe longer, before I went on a little bit of vacation with my son. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. He just graduated from preschool, and now he is in full summer swing mode. And so we were just hanging out, having a grand old time down in Monterey. It was a lot of fun. And I was about to release this episode before I went away, and then a bunch of stuff happened, and I wasn't able to. So I apologize. I, I know I kind of preemptively promoted the show on Instagram, Rookie move, and then it didn't happen. But this is a great conversation, I have to tell you. I've interviewed so many people on the show, over 150 people, and they've all been really great conversations. And there are certain ones that stand out above the others. And this conversation definitely is one of those that just rises above. And if you're thinking about the world of influencing and social media, there is so much that goes into it. And what you see on Instagram versus what happens kind of behind the scenes is really two different worlds, so to speak. And Adela is very candid about that. Thanks to Kelly K over at Kelly K PR and Jade Umbrella as well for always bringing the heat with amazing guests. And of course, Claudia Green over at Mayhem Entertainment for bringing great guests as well. If you have feedback or anything that you would like to say about the show, hit us up, send us an email, open mic podcast. I'm sorry, open mic guest at gmail.com, open mic guest at gmail.com. I'm excited for you to check out this conversation. Adela, welcome to the podcast. It is good to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to be here. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Yes. Well, you have, I have to say, first of all, you have like this a massive following on social media and everywhere you go and Google your name, there's just a lot happening. So I want to talk about all that. But you have a very cool story as well. And, and I'm sure you've told it before, but I'm, our listeners who may not be familiar with who you are, um, I think it's important to know the context of where you're coming from, especially as a, a successful entrepreneur and business owner and all of the things that you do, that it hasn't come without hard work. And I think that's important to recognize. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about, you know, where you came from and how you got here today. It's a big question, but uh, take all the time <laughs> you need to, to answer it because I think it's important for people to know. Yeah, absolutely. And this is actually something that I always get into when I start working with new brands because I really want them to understand where I come from, who I am, why I work the way that I do. And they're always blown away by how organized I am, which I think is a good thing for me, but not sure you know, what others are doing. But the reason I am so organized is I have this work ethic from my parents who we all originally came from Bosnia back in the early 90s. And we came to the U.S. 
and I had to learn English basically on the plane coming to the U.S. And I'll never forget this gigantic book I had. And I went letter by letter, you know, A is for apple, B is for boy. And just remembering those details really is full circle for me today where I'm writing everything and doing everything in English. And I've really done something amazing with the brand where people really do listen when I do reviews on products. I talk about travel. So the work ethic is definitely something that my parents instilled in me because when we first came here, we didn't have anything. And my mom was really strict and she always told me I had to study, get good grades, you know, be that A student in order to make it to college and get scholarships. So I've always been on a good path because of the influence that they've had on me. But yeah, it all comes kind of full circle to be here in the U.S. and have a business here and be an entrepreneur. It's really just this amazing story that there are really those stories where dreams do come true here in the U.S. So it's definitely one of those types of situations and it's always surreal. I always love Fourth of July because people always ask, you know, are you proud to be an American? Why are you proud? And, you know, my life could be a whole other thing if we weren't um, accepted into the U.S. back in the early 90s. So it's one of those holidays that is more meaningful to me. It's not necessarily one of those holidays where I'm out partying. It's more of just, it's a really cool thing to be an American. I appreciate your honesty in that because we, we as Americans, Western cultural, you know, Fourth of July is Western culture is about fireworks and this and that and, and all of this. But for you, you really are celebrating independence, right? Like it's really a thing for you, not just something that happened in 1776 where we signed the Declaration of Independence. Right. And I'm actually kind of known for every year on 4th of July. I do this very mushy, gushy post on Instagram and I'm just (laughs) thankful. And there's always new people who have joined, you know, since the last year's post. And they just are blown away when I say, you know, this is my story. I know some of you have already heard this seven times. But let's do it again, you know, because there's new people here. And it, it's just one of those holidays that just means something different to me for sure, because it's freedom, it's independence, it's rights that you may not have in other countries. So it's a big deal. It really is. And it's something that I really do cherish every year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm getting chills just listening to you talk about it because there really is an American dream, right? I mean, you would say that firsthand because everybody has a playing field equally. Would you say that they start out on as far as what direction that they decide to take and that sort of thing? You know, that's an interesting question, to be honest, because I don't, some people have a better playing field than others. I don't think everyone starts at the same place. So some people have that, you know, different background or they're in a bad situation and they have to come out of it. And so I don't think everyone is necessarily on the same playing ground because it really does depend on your upbringing, your education, everything, every choice you make leads to something different. And Mm -hmm. if I, let's just say I hadn't gone to college, I wouldn't have gotten my old corporate job. I may not have gotten into blogging. I mean, every single thing that I did was all just part of the process. And I don't, yeah, I don't know if everyone has the same playing field, but some people get handed a really bad set of cards and they make it work for them. And other people are handed the really good cards, but they don't know how to play them. So it really is kind of that difference of how are you strategic in your life choices? And sometimes 
I mean, miracles do happen. Sometimes someone just kind of falls into this amazing situation. So there is definitely a difference between, you know, that playing field. But I do think we all have an equal opportunity. We all have an equal chance. And it's those decisions that really lead you to getting further in your career or, you know, getting that goal and making that dream happen versus, you know, maybe not, maybe not getting that promotion. So there are those choices that really take you further, of course. I like that perspective. And I think that is a bit clearer because you're right. You know, we don't always have the same playing field, but we do, I think, all have an opportunity in some way, shape or form to make something out of Mm -hmm. we're given. Now, when you came to the United States and you moved here and you went to college and all of that, what were some of your influence? What made you decide that you wanted to go into fashion and all of that? Like, like what drove you to get to that point? So I actually started the blog as an electronic dance music blog back in (laughs) late 2012 because everything was about that back then it wasn't super mainstream but it was getting there and i was really into tiesto avici swedish house mafia i mean some of those really big people who are now known they're very mainstream now um but basically what i did so i was still i was about to graduate college i was still in the college scene i'm going to all these events and i was just doing this as a senior college project our professor said pick one topic that you're super passionate about and you're going to have to write 10 blog posts about it. She said, I don't care what platform you do it on. I just need to see a website and I need to see 10 blog posts by the end of the quarter. So I decided to write 10 different posts about what to wear, what to do, events that are coming up, uh, you know, stay hydrated. And obviously I kept everything PG because my professor was reading this, you know, this was going to be graded. So I didn't get crazy, but my friends started to read it. And they said that it basically sounded like I was talking to them, even though they were reading something. And that was really important to me, the conversational tone, just being very relaxed, very natural, not anything too, you know, those standard formatted essays that we all had to write at some point in our life. I never wanted it to be something like that. I really did want it to be like a fun, easy read. My friends can go check it out and be like, oh, okay, this event's happening in San Diego. This event's happening in Phoenix. Okay, we'll be here this weekend in Tucson. And it was just like a very quick, easy, conversational type of writing. And my friends loved it. So after the class ended, I got an A on the project, by the way, which was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> after that, <laughs> uh, after, the, <laughs> after that course ended, I ended up getting recruited into a company that was focused on tourism. And with my job, I was in sales, so I had to manage a book of business, and I got to travel to those destinations multiple times each month. So I got to see the world, and it was actually one of my old directors who said, well, why, why don't you just take your camera with you and you know blog about all these travels? That's pretty cool content. And there wasn't a lot of it back in 2013, right? And so I started doing that. And then I weaved in beauty because beauty was really my biggest passion. And I used to spend a lot of money at Ulta and Sephora every single month to get the latest beauty products. And I was kind of doing that beauty review on the blog in the early stages. And to think back to my quality of photos is so embarrassing because they were little thumbnail photos and then, you know, like seven paragraphs of text about the product, which now you can't do that. You have to have like 50 photos and what, yeah, you have to have like 50 photos in one paragraph because people don't want to read for that long. Right. 
So it kind of all started to spin together. It was beauty, it was travel, and then fashion has actually been my newest addition. And the reason I did add it is because I've realized over time that photos that have people in them that have that lifestyle feel always perform better. What I used to do before was just take photos of the products themselves and it would just be a flat lay and I would put all the products on a table and then take that shot from above. But those don't do very well. People want to see a hand. They want to see you applying the lipstick. So now my, all my content is really, it looks all fashion just because me being in the photo always does better than just no, no one in the photo. So it's all been kind of trial and error, but now it's just a full lifestyle blog, full lifestyle Instagram, where I'm talking about every single topic that just kind of comes to my mind. You know, what if I have a new food that I'm trying or a new supplement or I don't know, a new tech item, whatever it is, I'm kind of weaving it in. And recently I started talking more about home stuff because became a homeowner. So now I want to talk about how I decorate my house. And so th there's always something that's being added. And it just kind of became a full fledged lifestyle situation, which is a lot harder to start today, because people really need experts in different fields. So I am lucky that I've been able to keep expanding on top of the beauty and travel that I originally started with. But it's definitely been a journey. And it's just kind of I've added more and more the longer I've gone through with it. And the longer I've had these platforms, the more that just weaves in from my day to day. So how important is it for you as you're building this brand and sustainable brand to keep a focus outside of the Instagram platform? Well, let me back up and ask you this. And I asked this of Melissa earlier, and I'm curious to get your perspective. Well, YouTube, you know, when it came out, it was big, it was huge. And now these YouTube stars have been on there for a while. And now they're making all these changes about monetization and, you know, what videos can be monetized and that sort of thing. Do you feel that Instagram has a certain shelf life or not that it's going away anytime soon, but as far as being able to leverage it so successfully like you have, Two questions. Do you think it has a shelf life? And number two, do you feel it's important to build a brand outside of that particular social media platform? So in terms of the shelf life, I do think it has a shelf life. Um, I can't remember the name of the app that came out almost a year ago and everyone and their mothers was like, I got to sign up. I got to get on this app. And then oh. we found out really compromising things about the CEO and owner. And then it was just like, whoop done yeah, <laughs> no one's gonna add that, that. Yeah. it was such a scramble and I was like okay Instagram people here's the new thing let's go follow me over here because the app was cool the idea was Instagram Facebook Twitter Snapchat like every app together it was like the Instagram on steroids so the idea was cool and I'm sure that there will be an app that comes and comes after Facebook and Instagram but I think Facebook is a really good example of the shelf life, so is MySpace, so is Snapchat. You kind of go through these filters and Facebook, everyone that I've talked to is saying Facebook is dying. Five years ago, you had to have a Facebook page. You were spending millions of dollars if you were a large corporation and you were getting those likes on there. You wanted people to see your posts so you were monetizing on them. Now nobody is spending money on Facebook. Whenever I work with a brand, they're like, we don't care if you post on Facebook. If you do, great, but like we, we just don't care, you know? And so I've seen this transition because I was on MySpace back in MySpace days. And I remember Tom 
and who, who <laughs> there were so many people who were so famous on there. You Justin know? I mean, Timberlake. Was, Justin Timberlake was Justin the one. Justin Timberlake. He really, yep. like, that was his thing. You know, that was his jam. He really made that super popular. Yeah. I remember there was just a bunch of random celebrities on there, but I know Jeffree Star, who's one of the biggest beauty influencers and he's got his own brand. He's huge in terms of his influence on YouTube, Instagram, all those platforms today, but he started back in MySpace days and you kind of, you know that every platform is going to have some sort of shelf life. And maybe what happens is an app comes out in the next year or two and it's so awesome and cool and Instagram decides to buy them. That could be the case and Instagram may keep doing that. But I do think that every platform has a shelf life and a lot of people tell me not to focus on Instagram. And I think the biggest piece of that really is you really want to have an audience that's going to translate to another platform. Mm -hmm. And I've really kept my eyes and ears open for any opportunity I could possibly have with any other platform. And I would say that I'm more well-rounded than some influencers who really just focus on Instagram. I have my blog. I've done YouTube on and off. I have a small audience there, but it's still another platform that I could just take if Instagram decided to shut down tomorrow. And then I've still kept active on Twitter, Pinterest, and another social platform called We Heart It. It's kind of like an offshoot of Pinterest, but it's more popular in Europe and Asian countries. So I really kept it open in terms of where I'm at. Obviously, my focus is highly on Instagram right now because that's where everyone is spending their time. Mm -hmm. And it's also where all the money is going. So every brand isn't putting money into billboards anymore. They're putting money into podcasts, into Instagram, um, into Instagram stories. So I've really just focused there, but I still have my sights on other elements because I know there will come a time just like MySpace, just like Snapchat, where things start to kind of dwindle down and you're going to have to find a new platform. But the important thing is just keep the people engaged on whatever platform it is and they will follow you to the next platform because we all know that we can't live in a social media list world the next thing people you just got to get them to follow you over to that next new platform well look at vine that was like a big thing for a while and then instagram came out gosh with i know stories and now there's something called tiktok i don't even know i can't keep up with it uh, it's <laughs> i so know ridiculous. there's so many new apps and i get so many emails saying hey do you want to be one of the first 20 oh influencers to try this and i'm like if i signed up for every single one that i got an email for i would be on like 500 platforms <laughs> and sure maybe two of them end up being something but that's just so much work to sign up for so many things not to mention i can't remember my password on anything thank goodness <laughs> for the fact that it auto saves in your laptop and phone because i can't remember another password <laughs> yeah you know ali levine right so we joke about yes. that all the time and I'm actually producing her new podcast, Stripped Down. And we joke, I tease her because she's always like, let me see, I don't remember my password for this. And uh, <laughs> we were getting her set up on Zoom last night. It was just funny. I always tease her about that. So are you familiar with uh, Brittany Hennessy? She wrote a book called Influencer. Have you heard of her? Do you know of the book? Um, I don't know of the book. No. Well, it's a great book. Uh, Brittany Hennessy. She worked for Carbon Black for years, um, and she was kind of one of the early pioneers of influencing for Nivea. I think it was. And it's a okay. great book, influencer. I highly recommend it 
Um, and she's been on my show and she's kind of pushed people my way, but she made a point that uh, was pretty cool. And it kind of ties in with what you were saying about being on all these platforms. And she, her, her opinion is, is that it, you don't have to be on all of them, but you need to own your name on all of the platforms. Do you find that to be true for yourself? Like, let's say you're primarily on Insta and you have a decent audience on Twitter and then a small following on YouTube. What, what do you think about that? Um, I'm, I'm curious to know your opinion as far as like which platforms are the most important to be on or do you need to be on all of them or what's up with that? So you don't need to be on all of them, but each one has its purpose, right? Okay. And I've done a couple panels and engagements on or speaking engagements about the difference of each platform and really it depends on what your end goal is. When I started, I was just on social media. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have a Pinterest and a Twitter and a Snapchat and this and this and this. <laughs> and it all just kind of added up. But over time, I've really noticed that Facebook for me does nothing, absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's really the problem with Facebook now, and this is what will come with Instagram soon is that in order for people to see your posts, you need to pay to have them see it, even if they've already liked your page. Right. So your reach is so, so low. And the same thing is happening with Instagram and this algorithm just keeps bringing our posts down further and further and further until you decide to pay to show it to your audience. And it's like the, the methodology behind it seems really skewed because these people already followed you. They should see your posts, right? Right, right. But no, the algorithm is really wanting you to pump money into the platform because how else are they going to make money? So it makes sense from both sides to me, but I know a lot of people have been suffering from the fact that their posts are no longer getting the reach. They're not getting the impressions. And they, there's a term that people throw around that I don't even know if it's a real thing, but they say that they're shadow banned. Yeah. I've, use, I've heard I don't even before. know if it's a thing. Well, I don't, I think, you know, I have my opinions about that. Allie and I have had multiple conversations about that, but I, I don't know if it's a term, but I've heard it. It's like, it's so popular that it, it, it almost should be like shadow blocked, but I, I've, yeah. I've heard that before. Uh, you're not the first person who has said that. So I don't know, maybe you could trademark it and make some money off of it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think, so Pinterest is really good if you're focused more in the home wedding um, I think home and wedding and cooking, those avenues are really, really good for Pinterest because the idea behind Pinterest is that people will end up on your blog and it's actually a huge driving factor if you have a blog. Mm -hmm. But now in today's day and age, we see a lot of people who just have an Instagram account. They've got 80,000 followers on there and that's the only thing they have. They have no YouTube channel. They have no blog. And that's, that's an uh-oh moment. Like, girl, you better set up a blog because what happens when Instagram decides to change right. the algorithm yet again? And what happens if no one sees your post? So there has to be something else. And I think the most important thing is you either, you really need to have a platform that's your own. I pay for my hosting for, through WordPress. That is my site. It's not going anywhere. As long as I pay for my hosting, that is my site. My content is there. My URL, my domain is mine. I think that is so, so important. And I think the other one is YouTube. That's a really 
really, really big platform, but the same thing can happen to YouTube that could happen to Instagram. Uh When you don't own the platform, if one day they're just like, we're bankrupt or we're no longer doing this, we're transitioning it into something else or whatever that case may be, that's a problem for you because it's not your platform. You have 2 million people there, but you're you're not going to have those people. It's not yours to keep. So I do think having a blog, a website, something that is truly yours to bring is kind of like the center, the hub of everything is really the most important thing because that'll be up no matter if social media dies, you're still going to have a website. So yeah, yeah. I would say that that's kind of the order. Yeah, no, that's, that's perfect. Uh, that, That makes perfect sense. So you have a very successful blog and I have to ask, you don't have to go into specifics, but I'm always curious I have so many influencers on and all these people, and I always forget to ask this question. So you're the lucky winner. Um, (laughs) It's not bad, I promise. How do you monetize a blog? Do you do it through affiliate links? Like you talk to these people who who make all this money off a blog. How how does one do that? Like this is kind of a personal, I'm curious, because I see people doing it all the time. And uh, I know there's a secret sauce to it, I'm sure, just like Instagram and everything else. But, but how, how, how does somebody do that? How, how does it work? It's like a big mystery to me, a big black box. Yeah. So there's a couple different ways. And this kind of takes me back to like old school blogging, blogging, because p- people call themselves a blogger, but they don't even have a blog because influencer is kind of a weird term. Yeah. But when it comes to the blog, th- there's two avenues. and really most people are using their blog as kind of the affiliate link hub. Mm -hmm. So let's say I got a brand new set of clothes from Banana Republic and I'm posting every single outfit on my stories and I'm pushing people and telling them, okay, if you missed any of these links, you can go to my blog. The blog will have all the photos and the links to each and every single piece. Mm -hmm. So it's really kind of a hub for affiliate links. So that's one way. Um, most people also have like a shop page. So every single thing I've mentioned over the past 14, you know, posts or however long I've been posting, everything will be on that shop page. And then there's also the element of sponsored posts. So there are a lot more brands lately, to be honest with you, asking now for a blog post too. For about two years, everyone was like, I just want to see your Instagram post. I don't care about the blog. I don't care about anything else. I just want Instagram. I think brands are finally smartening up now too and thinking this is really evergreen content on your blog. Instagram is so fast paced. And if you don't see the post in the first few hours, it's done. It's gone. It's old. Like people are waiting for the next post. So that's also an element is that a sponsored post with a brand. And then there's also certain ads that you can put on your blog. So certain retailers over the years, like a shop bop or um, some of those larger fashion retailers have done where you put those banner ads onto your blog and okay. you get some small percentage for every time somebody clicks on it. Or maybe it's a flat fee. They give you a couple hundred bucks just because you have it on your blog based on the amount of traffic that you get to it. So there's a couple different ways, but I think in today's day and age, a lot of the blogs that I personally follow and truthfully, I have I think a pretty high standard for aesthetic. There's like three blogs that I actually pick things from and I think, okay, this is really inspirational. This looks really good. They're very clean. There's no ads. It's just beautiful, aesthetically pleasing photos. And some of the posts may be sponsored, 
but usually the blog is kind of not so much addy anymore. It's really just, oh, if you want to shop this necklace and this outfit that I'm showing you in these beautiful photos, you know, you can click on the picture. And that's really all it is. It's not, we used to do those banner ads that kind of the Las Vegas style banner ads that were just like <laughs> screaming at you, click me, click me, click me. And now it's so far from that. It has to be super organic. You can't even tell that it's an ad most of the time or that it's an affiliate sale or anything. And so those are the ones that do really well. But for me personally, I have the shop page on my blog and all the links on the blog are affiliate links. So I'll make a percentage if somebody does complete that transaction. But it's really, those are kind of the two main ways. And I do try to keep the blog pretty ad free because I already know people don't want to read. I don't need to give them another reason to discourage them to come to the blog. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. So that brings me to another question that I want to ask. I, I'm kind of savvy these days. I've learned and just asked people, you know, that I've interviewed about Instagram and, you know, you get a deal and this post is sponsored by, I don't know. Banana Republic, since we're mentioning it, they are not a sponsor of the podcast. So just, I'm just saying, <laughs> uh, but in any case I joke, but, and then, you know, there's those, but then let's say somebody sends you like a dress that they want you to try. So you get it, you decide this is something that I want to do. And so you're going to post a picture of you either in your Insta stories or on your grid, if you know you're following a certain grid format for aesthetics and it fits, you do that. I've, I've heard from some of these folks now that these companies that are sending you stuff for free that are, are now starting to want to know metrics of that view. Have you ran into that so far or is that completely foreign to you? That's pretty foreign to me and it is probably because I have the PR team and the management okay. that says you're not getting those metrics unless you decide you want a sponsored collaboration. Okay. Exactly. Because that's kind of like seeing behind the curtain without paying for the show. And that's really, <laughs> that's a very, I mean, that's really, I, okay. That's that how we just feel about hilarious. this because it's like, I'm giving you these metrics, but if you're not, if there, there's two sides to it, to be honest with you. And, this kind of always gets me a little sketched out about a brand when they are asking me for everything besides my blood type and like my underwear size. I'm like, why are they asking all these questions? Like we don't have a contract. We have nothing in place. We haven't even talked numbers. And they're asking me for like screenshots for the past like two years. I'm like, Instagram doesn't even go back that far. Like they start asking all these questions and I'm like, I'll send you what you need. But at some point it takes me like an hour to get this stuff together and these metrics and pull all this. And there's no guarantee of anything. And it's really just giving them all this information sure. so they can then go to the next influencer, ask them for all their numbers and start comparing. And that's just not the way business should be run in terms of impressions and likes, because every single post is going to do differently. And when people see ad, they tend to shy away from it because they know it's sponsored. So it's never going to perform as well as a organic post of me, you know, with my family or me with my brother, you know, that's just going to perform well because people like family and people, you know, th there's different elements to it. And so if I give them this and it's got over 150,000 impressions, then they come back and their post only has 90,000, then they're upset because well, it's sponsored and people don't necessarily always want to support it when they know that it's an ad. So there's so many elements to it. 
And to give that stuff up and just tell them like, this is the average is just not fair to them. It's really better to give them a range and just say like, this is the range of impressions. This is the range of likes. This is the range of comments. And I'll give demographic information all day. I don't care about that because they need to know who the audience is. You know, if all my audience is, you know, some random country in the world, that doesn't mean sure. anything to them because they're trying to sell the product to the U.S. So there's those elements that do make sense. But when they start asking for all of these comparisons, it's like the last three months, the last six months, the last 12 months, the last two years. It's just so much. And it almost doesn't even make sense because what does it matter what two years ago was the impression we weren't even measuring impressions back then some of these metrics are so new that it's right. almost impossible to compare accurately and with the new platform there's also um or i should say the new profile you can be have a creator profile now and you get even more analytics oh, but boy. it's still got a few bugs and kinks but i mean then we're adding on another layer of analytics that they're then trying to compare and it's just like comparing apples to oranges you know because that's you know, that analytic may not have been available a year ago. So I'm just comparing zero to this. Yeah, it looks great, but it's not realistic. You know, I'm not going to grow that much in another year because so I get really geeky with the numbers and the analytics because they mean so much. And that's really how you figure out what content performs well and what people are actually enjoying. Oh, yeah. um, so I get really into it. But sometimes when I get these requests, I'm like, what does this matter for anybody, <laughs> you know? And so we do get a little hesitant. We're like, why are they asking for 55 screenshots for all of these things when we don't even have, we're not even talking about like how we could work together. I may not even want to work with them. You know what I mean? It's just like, That's okay, fun. hold your horses, cart before the horse in that situation, I think. That's I love the way that you put that, like peeking behind the curtain without paying for the show. It really is. It really is. And in podcasting, it gets that way too, because, you know, I've worked with Kelly now for a while. So she trusts me and she knows that I have a large audience that I'm going to treat her people well. And so she just books people now without even asking. She just clicks a link and boom, you're on my show. You know what I'm saying? So there's yeah. like this trust level built, but it hasn't always been that way. But even now where I'm starting to get pitched, I get pitched at least three or four times a week from people who want to come on my show. And I'm very thankful for that. But I always like to ask questions before I say yes, you know, is it going to appeal to my audience? But the thing that drives me nuts is if they pitch me, they want to come on my show, I say yes. And well, even before I say yes, they start asking me for download amounts and audience size and what, how many platforms are you on? So I don't know if it's kind of the same thing, but I kind of understand a little bit how frustrating that could be if a brand's reaching out to you and they're asking you for personal information, but you haven't even, there's no ink and in, in pen and paper involved in the deal. So right. I, I appreciate the honesty on that. It, 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 it helps me understand how this whole world works. Cause to me from the outside in, it's a little bit foreign because I get so frustrated with Instagram and, you know, but I try and make it as aesthetically pleasing as possible. And I've had a couple people tell me, you know, you might want to try this and do that. Somebody had to explain to me, I, I've known Insta stories have been around forever, but I really didn't understand what purpose they served versus putting something on your Instagram grid and they explained it to me and said, Oh, you know, fun stuff with your son or kid pictures, that kind of stuff could be really good for Insta stories. And then your grid for the gram is more 
promoting your show and that sort of thing. So thank you for explaining all this. I appreciate it. I feel less dumb as far as understanding <laughs> how the whole thing works, you know, and trying to make it work. Um, that is fantastic. It's kind of foreign. <laughs> it really is. Like it, I, I've had to have it explained to me several times because I, sometimes I just don't understand it, but the way you've shared as far as, you know, some posts perform better than others, it makes sense. You know, if you're with your brother or your family and versus like a dress. So speaking of family, how, how do they feel about all of this, all of your success? Do your parents love it? Or are they proud or are they typical parents and go, is this a thing that she's going through and it's going to end eventually? <laughs> I, you know, how does that whole world work out for you? If you, if you wouldn't mind sharing just a little tidbit. Yeah, I think when I first started it, my my family was very so my brother is my biggest supporter. He is like my biggest fan, biggest supporter. He has all his social media. So he's in college, right? He has all of his social media networks and he's still in the phase where they're like Snapchatting selfies and like doing clown stuff to each other. And on every single one of his platforms, he puts my blog link and he's like, this is the coolest website you'll ever find. Like, it's super cute, but he's always been my biggest fan. And he's helped me when um, I've just needed like a favor. Like, can you send this invoice out? Like, I just, I, it has to go out today. Marty late on sending it, please get it out. Like he'll always help me. So he has always been my biggest supporter and he's always understood it. And I think it's because he's in the age group that has grown up with social media. So he sure. understands the value. He gets that that's where marketing is happening. He doesn't know, like he doesn't know a world where billboards and a sign in the store was like <laughs> the way that you did marketing, you know? So he doesn't have that perspective. And it's because he's, he's about to be 21, which is kind of scary, but he has always been that big, really big supporter. My parents, just as you can imagine, kind of had a hard time grasping it. I think my dad is still pretty confused about who pays me. And it's always <laughs> funny when, um, so there's family members like my grandma and <laughs> she's just like, but who pays you? Yeah, like, do you yeah, get paid through like a platform? And I'm like, there's a lot of people who pay me grandma. Like I have to get, you know, payment from this brand and this brand and this brand. And it just comes from so many different places that you have to keep track of it. Right. But it's, very much something that they're super proud of. But I do remember when I told them, I was like, so I'm quitting my corporate job next month. And my mom was like, you're doing what? <laughs> She's like, I mean, I like all your posts on Instagram and all your, you know, all your tweeties and everything. And I'm like, my what mom? And she's like, you know, the stuff that you're tweeting out there in the world. It's so cute. Oh, but um, I, I think in the beginning, it was kind of like, what is she doing? Huh? You're going to leave your corporate job? That just, it's such a foreign concept to people. And sure. I think that's also why it took me years to make that decision. It was like, I kept waiting for a sign. Then I was waiting for, you know, to make enough money as an influencer. Then I was waiting for another sign. It was like, how many signs can the universe give me to leave this corporate life and just go do my own thing and see if it works? Because let's be honest, the corporate world is not going anywhere. You know, it will still be there. If something happens in five years and all blogs are obsolete and maybe Instagram has completely died. I can always go back to the corporate world. It's really not, you know, that crazy, but I think I would have requested or yeah, I would have just definitely told myself that I should have done it earlier, but it's because of my family, friends, everyone was just so skeptical and it was hard to make people feel comfortable when you're already, you already know you're taking a risk. So it was one of those things where 
everyone was kind of hesitant, but now everyone's on board. They're like, you're doing great. You're doing amazing things. They're like, we see a new article about you every week. And, you know, now it makes sense. You know, when you tell people you're doing fine and, you know, paychecks are coming in, they're like, oh, okay, you're, you're okay. You know, but in the moment when I made the decision, it was kind of more of a panicky thing. Like you're doing what, why would you leave your job? You love it. You travel. So that kind of, that hesitation is what held me off for quite some time. Yeah, especially probably coming to a place where you decide that you want to make the leap um, and just really go at it full force. And, and I think book- it was harder too because sure. I liked my job. Oh, yeah. And th- it wasn't one of those situations where I was like, you know, I hate my boss. I, you know, I'm totally going to quit. Like it wasn't that situation at all. It was, I got to travel. I had the best clients. And it was a great job, you know, and I learned a lot. I got promoted often. It was so good. So it was even harder to leave that. Whereas there's some influencers now who are like, I just wish I'd left my crappy boss two years ago. And I'm like, you should have, but we're all afraid of that leap. Yeah, yeah. So one last question or two here as we wrap up. If there was anything that you wanted people to know about the world of influencers or influencing you know, all of these wonderful things that you do that you feel is a common misconception, but really isn't true. Is there anything that you can think of that you like, I don't know if there's any myths to dispel or anything like that. Not any deep, dark secrets, but just something that (laughs) people kind of have this impression of what you do. And it's not really an accurate impression if that question makes any sense. Yeah. I think the biggest thing, I actually just talked about this on my stories earlier this week because people were asking me why I'm not sharing all the PR that I'm getting because I used to do those PR hauls where I come back from a trip and there's like a hundred boxes sitting at my PO box and now I'm opening them and sharing everything. And for me, I've decided not to really do those anymore because so people think it's fun and it's awesome and you're getting all these free things and really in my mind, when I first started, I was so ecstatic to open a box. I was like, oh my gosh, this brand said this to me, you know, and it's really special. Over time, the boxes start to pile up and they pile up and it's work, you know, and it's not, you know, it's a lot of new things and they're free things, but it's overwhelming. And people think that you're kind of snotty if you don't share it or you're snotty because you're overwhelmed by it. But could you imagine having like, 10 to 15 boxes delivered to your house or your PO box every day. No, and you go check it after five days and you're just like, I don't even know what to do with the recycling. I literally filled (laughs) up my whole recycling bin earlier today, just in time for them to come and get it because there's just so much. It seems exhausting. That's it. It really is. And this is where people, I lose people when I tell them, I'm like, I can't do these PR hauls for a number of reasons. You know, I'm giving free exposure to the brands. I have no idea if their products are any good. It's just shiny new box and there's this new launch and this new serum and this new lip gloss. It's like, I have no idea if it's even good. I'm just showing it to you because it was a shiny new box, but it doesn't do anybody any good. I'm just sharing this new thing, but I can't actually tell you if it's a good product or not, which is how I originally started doing this. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this whole PR situation is really kind of a braggy thing And it's like, ooh, look at all the stuff I got. Did you get all this too? And it's 
so bizarre, but at the same time, people are like, you're so amazing because you get all this stuff. And that's what consumers think, you know, they're just like, oh my gosh, she's on this PR list. She must be a big deal. And it's just not the case. Anyone can get on a PR list. Not a big deal, but it is very overwhelming. And while other people may think it's Christmas every day, it's just a lot of work, you know, because I have to go through and try these products and I actually have to test them and use them. So every box is literally like a new project for me. So when you think of it as work in that sense, that's super overwhelming versus people being like free things, you know, and it's like you have an obligation when you open these boxes. It's not a free thing. You have to do something with that free thing. Yeah, you know? it's it's a job. I was talking to, you know, Melissa earlier and I've talked to Courtney Repper. I, I've talked to these amazing people. It's no joke. It's like a full time job. Like I was scrolling through your blog earlier before we started talking and your Instagram and like, you know, you might be at this beautiful hotel, but like that's a job assignment or you might be at this restaurant. And (laughs) she was telling this story. It was so funny that she'll go into a restaurant if someone's asked her to come do a post and she'll have to tell the wait staff, can you put me over here and not over there? Because the lighting over there sucks and the lighting over here is better at it's like a really big thing. Like I watch some of these people, I'm exhausted just watching the everything that they're trying. And (laughs) I think it's cool. I mean, but I think there's even a program you can join called Influencer. I did it like once and I thought it was so cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so before the podcast, and then I was like, well, I can just talk to people about this. And so that's part of the reason why I started my show. But I did it once and they sent me, uh, I don't know, shaving cream and some razors. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then they like sent me this list of instructions of what I needed to do and take pictures in this light. (laughs) And I was like, this is intense, you know, AF. I can't do this. There's no possible way. And so they're like, okay, well, unfortunately, we're going to have to take you off our list because you didn't do this or the other. And I'm like, save that nonsense for the people who are pros at it like yourself and all these other people because it's just a mess but uh it's a lot i understand i'm really glad that she mentioned that to you too because that's the thing with trips people see your stories and they're like oh my gosh she's on vacation her life is so hard and i'm like you don't understand i'm not in the office i'm not answering emails and i'm not answering sponsored content potential opportunities because I'm here, but I'm also covering it. I have to take a photo of every single thing from every single angle. Like it is work. It may look awesome, but it's still work. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine it's, it's really a big deal. And I had never heard that, you know, transparency from, you know, I've, I have, I have, I'm friends with a couple other people. um, And so we talk back and forth and I kind of tease them a little bit. I'm like, this is like a really, you know, but we've developed a good relationship where I can poke a little bit. But um, yeah, to me, it just seems like this big thing, but it's a real job. Uh, And you do a great job at it. And I'm not just saying that just because we're taping this interview, but really like your your blog and everything is just very aesthetically pleasing. Um, Your travel stuff is fantastic. Like it's cool, but it works. It makes me go, oh, I want to go there. but then I know that I know now and have known that it's the job you're working. Uh, you know, you might yeah. not be selling houses or insurance, but 
somebody's paying you X number of dollars to do this thing and you have to do it right. Cause then, you know, you probably get a bad rap in the business and nobody will want to work with you because you don't do what they ask you to. So yeah. it's awesome. Do you have any thoughts that you could share just if someone's wanting to do something like this or getting started, you know, just some best advice or best practices to kind of leverage this? I know not everybody could do this necessarily, but something like it, you know, whether it's an influence feed on Instagram or, you know, lifestyle casting, I've heard it called before, like, what advice could you give? I think the biggest piece is that you have to go into it with a passion with one particular topic. So if you're an awesome stylist, if you're really cool, you've got cool hair designs, if you're amazing with nail art, um, if you have a passion for gardening, I mean, whatever it is, you really do need a focus today because there are so many people doing this mm -hmm. that it's really hard to just go in as lifestyle and say, Oh, look at me. I'm living this life. And people are like, who cares? You know, <laughs> you have to give them a reason exactly. to kind of fall in love with you. And so I started originally with more beauty when I really got into the blogging after my, you know, the dance music scene. But I think now it's, you really do need to have a particular niche because it's so, so hard to just, be everything. You can't be the expert at everything, but mm -hmm. as your audience grows with you, they'll allow you to talk about your life, like your lifestyle and your cooking and whatever else it is that you want to share. But you really do need to start with some sort of focus. So I think that would be the biggest piece. And I'm sure you've heard this a million times, but you can't go in it for the money because no. you're not going to make any money until you've got an audience. And that takes years to build. And I think I probably put three and a half years into it. It was kind of just a black hole of money for, you know, the blog redesign and getting business cards and all the work that I put into the content for the first three and a half years had zero dollars and zero cents associated back to me. So it's definitely an expense in the beginning, but once it gets rolling and you have now it's a lot easier to make money when you have like 40, 50,000 followers. Some people even make money with 20,000, you know, mm -hmm. you can make $50 a post or whatever it is, but it's definitely something that you have to be patient with and you just can't go in it for free things. And, you know, people say like, Oh, I just want the free stuff. And I'm like, well, you have to work for that free stuff. When you have a thousand followers, you've got to post and you got to take photos and sure. it still works. So you really just have to be motivated and dedicated and truly just passionate about whatever it is that you're going to be talking about. So find a passion, stick with it. Don't go in it for the money. Um, those are kind of the key pieces. And then of course, of course, do not be somebody else. Don't, you know, if there's somebody that inspires you on social media, do not do the exact same thing that they're doing because the world has already seen them do that. You can't be a replica of somebody else. And I think that's where everyone starts kind of talking about authenticity and be the real person that you want to be and be the same person mm -hmm. in person when you go to an event and when you meet people in person and be that same person when you're online. Do not be two different, you know, people. You've got to be the same one, no matter whether you're online or in person. And I've met a lot of people who are very different <laughs> in person oh, totally. than they are in their oh, yeah. stories. And that's a turnoff because when I meet them, I'm like, oh, Oh, yeah, you know, no, it's just I, kind of surprising. It is, you know, it really is. And I keep mentioning Ali, but it's just because I know her really well and we've become really good friends. But, you know, I and like yourself, too, you're very approachable. You're very easy to talk to. 
And I think that's key, you know, because if you're not that way in person, that's, that's not good. <laughs> and I've met people too, even celebrities or whoever you name it. Um, I think that it can be disappointing, but could also give you generally speaking a bad rap. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, even just saying what you just said, you know, I think authenticity is key and, and being yourself and what people see is amazing and it's very cool, but it's hard work. And it's not just something that you just, you know, are doing, you know, sitting on the couch watching TV, you're really working hard or maybe you do, I don't know, <laughs> but you're just kind of like <laughs> trying to, you know, make this a real thing and, and you've done it. It's sustainable. It's very successful. And congrats. If, if people want to learn more about you, Adela, and they just want to connect with you somehow, what is the best way for them to do that? They can always, always message me over on Instagram. I am at attitude, A-D-A-A-T-U-D-E. And then I'm also spending a lot of time on my blog as well. So those are kind of the two main areas. But if you want to tweet me, if you want to send me a Snapchat, I'll see it someday. <laughs> or hit her up on MySpace. Do you still have your MySpace page? <laughs> is MySpace still up? It is. You know, Justin Timberlake, we joked about that, but he actually um, is trying to buy it. And he's trying to turn it into this music platform for young musicians artists and, and musicians. Up and coming. Yeah. yeah, trying to get them like exposure. I, I joke that with you, but yeah, it's still, you, I think I still have my login somewhere, but you can like it, you know, it, I think he's trying to turn it into something uh, to get people exposure, uh, you know, that might not necessarily get it anywhere else. Um, but interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember you, my login, but I remember, um, <laughs> the one thing I really remember about MySpace was you had to pick like your body type. Oh my god! It was like super skinny, more to love, curvy. Like it was so strange like to a have lame to pick that and be like, this is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the one thing I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. Do you have a car? Yes or no, or prefer not to answer? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The tender of the early 2000s. Hilarious. Well, thank you so much for being here and all of her information folks uh, will be in the show notes. Adela, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really, really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you and talking more and getting into the details of Instagram and this crazy social media world we live in. Thanks for joining again once again to episode 159, Adela Avdik. All of our information will be available in the show notes, key takeaways, all of those important things. Thank you so much for joining in, being a part of the show, considering listening and being a subscriber. Thank you so much. Until next time, be kind and be well. That brings today's episode to a close. Thanks for listening in. If you enjoyed today's episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a kind rating and review. It really does help. Until next time, cheers and be well.